In a world where at times those of a bygone generation may be forgotten, one man saw a window of opportunity to wreak havoc on one of the most vulnerable populations, the elderly. Whereas to society, grandmothers are people full of warmth, love and kindness, to this man, they were just easy targets. His oldest victim, a lady who was 93 years old. All of these women were attacked within their homes, within the space they considered to be safe. And their only mistake? Offering kindness to a stranger. This is the case of the serial crimes of Sean Oersthaser. Hello and welcome to Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast hosted by me, Bella Monsoon. I'm a mental health professional, so Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast, explores real-life crimes occurring within South Africa from a psychological viewpoint. Every week, a new case is examined and we delve headfirst into the motives that drive people to do what they do. Join me weekly on a journey into the minds behind the madness as we traverse murder, mayhem, and much more. I find it quite interesting that more wasn't mentioned about this case when it initially broke in 2018. Almost all of the articles about the incidents that occurred were limited to local newspapers and tabloids with one or two mentions on national television or in national newspapers. I wonder if the reason for this was that the victims were elderly and therefore deemed as less newsworthy. Regardless, every victim matters, and every voice deserves to be heard. And as Donald Laird once said, to forget the elderly is to ignore the wisdom of the years. Like many of the other perpetrators that I discuss in my videos, unfortunately, no matter how deep I dived, I was unable to find much information about Sean Oerstazen's early life. The only information I was able to discover was that he had been charged and convicted on multiple counts of theft throughout the years, with his most recent charge ending up in a jail sentence for which he was released in 2013. And this release came just years prior to these events occurring. What we do know about him, however, is that he was living in Munsieville camp. So you may be asking, but Bella, what exactly is Munsieville? Well, the Mansiville camp lies 45 minutes from the city of Johannesburg. It was one of the shanty towns that were formed after the fall of apartheid in 1994. Unlike many of the townships that scatter the country, this is one that has a subsector of a predominantly white population. But just like those other squatter camps, the inhabitants live in abject poverty, relying on donations if they don't have or cannot find employment which is often the case. The inhabitants are also made up of many individuals of varying ages, life situations and capabilities. One such individual was Sean Oersthazen, a man who would initiate a reign of terror on a vulnerable sector of the community over the years to follow. On the 24th of June 2018, at Ras Abiki Old Age Home in Springs, Engela van Veik would fall prey to Oersthazen. She was 86 years old at the time and was living in her own apartment within the old age village. 
Witnesses would state that they saw two men entering her flat, which was in the middle of the village. It would later transpire that these men had been approaching residents, asking if they could use the bathroom. Engler had unfortunately extended them that kindness. She was later discovered in her room, with her hands bound to her bed, a cloth stuffed down her throat, and another one wrapped around her mouth. The flat had been completely ransacked, and the key to her apartment, her jewellery, her rings, and her cell phone had been taken. Her son would later state, My mother did not deserve to die like this. We were puzzled, as there had never been any problems at the old age home. No one was arrested though, and this particular crime would only be linked to Oersthazen in the months to follow. On the 8th of July 2018, Sean Oersthazen had left Gauteng and headed towards Nelspreet. But this time, he was not alone. He had two accomplices, John Deploy, who was 26 years old at the time, and Marina Mandy Forster, who was 48 years old. Sean Oersthazen was 38 years old at the time. All three of them lived in Manseville. So you may be wondering, well, where exactly were they headed? And they didn't really know, except they planned on robbing retirement villages along the way. One of these retirement villages happened to be the SAVF Hertzsaker Old Age Home in Mbombela. The security guard had let them in and they had attempted to get into one of the apartments. However, as it was a weekend and it was quite busy, they were unable to. And so they had left and headed to their next potential target, the Macadamia Care Center. CCTV footage would later show Oersthazen and Forster walk through the gate and then later exit. Oersthazen was also seen exiting the premises with a cloth in his hand. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so let's rewind a bit. So these alleged perpetrators had somehow been let into this secure care center, and once they were inside, they had begun knocking on doors, asking if they could have a glass of water, or if they could use the bathroom. One of the residents would later come forward and say that they had been left a message by the female accomplice, Forster, where she wrote that she was looking for Aunt Hetty to tell her her mother had passed away. Forster had also included a telephone number on the note, which of course was non-existent. So who was Aunt Hetty? Well, it was around this time of knocking on doors that they had stumbled upon Henrietta Katarina Portrita, known affectionately as Heta, who was 85 years old and lived in her own apartment within the retirement village. She was kind enough to let them in, and unfortunately, she would pay the price of that kindness with her life. And for what exactly? Well, according to the later charge sheet, 10,000 rand in cash, as well as the key to her safe. The police were only called on Monday when her body was discovered. When they had arrived on scene, the TV was still on and the place had been ransacked. They had then discovered her on the bathroom floor, 
Both of her hands had been tied behind her back with a cell phone charging cable. There was some form of clothing stuffed into her mouth with a piece down her throat. A sanitary towel had also been placed over her mouth too. Her nose had been bleeding and she had bruises all over her face. The coroner on scene said that the cause of her demise was suffocation. Police and forensic pathologists would later state that the time of death was any time between 12.07 on Sunday when security cameras had recorded Oersthausen and the two accomplices entering the centre and Monday morning when the police were called. The family, including her granddaughter Rita Mostart, were shocked to hear the news about Heta and outraged that no one had checked on their grandmother. She was supposed to have lunch on Sunday, I'm assuming a group lunch of sorts, and no one had even noticed that she wasn't there. Her granddaughter had later stated, how can they not check on her for a whole day in a care centre? And that is a valid question. I did a little research into the Macadamia Care Centre. From the outlook, it does appear that they are a well-liked old age home offering a variety of services and boasting about their visible strict security measures in place. These include an electric fence and access control into the premises. This, of course, is the website from 2022, so I'm hoping that there have been changes, obviously, since 2018. When everything came to light in 2018, though, they refused to comment on any allegations that none of their staff had checked on Heta. But it does seem evident that this was the case, considering that her body was only discovered on Monday morning. Quite ironic for a company who outrightly claims Macadamia Care is a community where people care about people. I mean, just speaking to some of the outrageous things I've heard and seen online, particularly within South Africa, of how elderly people are treated in many of these care centers. Not Macadamia Care in particular, but just random general care centers for the elderly across the country. It's incredibly disturbing. But I digress, and that is all for another episode, perhaps. After monitoring the CCTV footage, an external organization, Borsi's Community Justice, tracked the vehicle registration of the car used by the three. Sean Oersthausen and his accomplices had actually stolen the number plates of a food trailer. However, the vehicle was still tracked across the country. Oersthausen and his accomplices had then switched off their cell phones as they had no intention of being caught. However, the law had a different plan in mind and they were arrested shortly after the murder at a caravan and camping site called Lover's Rock Family Resort in Michalisburg. Heta's granddaughter Rita Mostert would later state, We are relieved that they have been caught, but it is not going to bring her back. My grandmother was a kind and loving woman. She gave everybody she met hugs. She was well-loved. She did not deserve this. She could have still been alive whilst she was lying on that floor. Oost Hazen and his accomplices were then charged with murder and robbery with aggravating circumstances. At the bail hearing, they had admitted that they had been in Henrietta's home. However, they denied killing her. They also went on to claim that the police had assaulted them when they were arrested. 
They would later raise objections to the trial being broadcast as they allegedly feared that their family members would be exposed by the media. However, I did come across some interesting social media posts where their family members seemed to out themselves whilst vehemently supporting these perpetrators. But moving on. Forster in particular was worried about how she would appear in her community as she was already being labelled as a murderer. The objection was dismissed however. On the grounds that the matter was an open court, every individual was an adult and that broadcasting the trial would not be detrimental. It was further stated that the matter was public and the court would not violate the public's right to know what was happening. The judge later added, The public deserves to know more about the court system and how the law operates. The more they know, the more educated they will become. And honestly, I have to agree here. Forster would later say, in regards to Henrietta's murder, I am so sorry about what happened to their mother. I know she was also a grandmother, an aunt and a mother. People loved her, just like I have people who love me. And with that, the bail hearing was concluded and they were each granted bail of 2,000 rand. Yeah, you heard me correctly, 2,000 rand. John Duploy did not have any prior convictions at the time. Marina Forster, however, was kept in custody due to an outstanding warrant of arrest for her in Bella Bella Limpopo regarding the theft of a cell phone at an old age home. Yeah, it definitely appeared that targeting old age homes was a thing for them. Marina also had four previous convictions, one being for the assault of a police officer. Sean Oersthuizen had seven prior convictions for theft and the most recent one had resulted in jail time as I previously mentioned with him being released in 2013. However, he too was released back into the public after paying his bail on the 3rd of August 2018. Keep in mind that at this time the police had apparently also begun to investigate and attempt to link together other unsolved cases of murders of elderly women in the surrounding areas that all had a similar modus operandi. But like I mentioned, Oersthuizen was now pretty much free whilst awaiting trial and court. Oersthuizen along with John Duploy committed yet another murder. And this was just over a month after they were released on bail. This time their victim was Barbara Esme Fenton. She was 74 years old at the time and lived in her own apartment in Alberton Retirement Village, an old age home in Johannesburg. On the 1st of September, a Saturday, Duploy and Oersthuizen had entered her home on the pretense that they were looking for someone and they had asked her for a glass of water. Once they were inside, she was taken to the bedroom and her hands and her legs were tied together using a cell phone charging cable. A cloth was stuffed down her throat, pretty much the exact same MO as the previous victims. She was then robbed of her cell phone and her jewellery. Her body was discovered on Sunday morning. Almost immediately after the incident, Oersthuizen, Duploy and Forster were arrested again. However, Forster was released on the very same day by the police as they could not link her to the crime scene. 
And so the investigations continued, being conducted by the Hawks, amongst others. So for those of you who are curious or perhaps not from South Africa, the Hawks are the South African Police Services Directorate for Priority Crime Investigation, DPCI, which targets organized crime, economic crime, corruption, and other serious crime referred to it by the President or another division of the South African Police Service. During this time, both men luckily remained in custody whilst awaiting their court appearance. Marina Forster had her bail extended during this time whilst waiting to appear in regards to the charge of robbery and the murder of Heta. And after many months, multiple delays and court sessions, a verdict was finally reached. The charges against Duploy and Forster were dropped due to insufficient evidence. Oestazen, on the other hand, ended up pleading guilty due to the overwhelming evidence that the state had against him. The case was finalized and he was found guilty. And on the 5th of August 2021, he was sentenced. The judge during sentencing stated that it was the court's duty to send a bold and clear message that there was no room for offenders to commit violent crimes such as Oestazen had. The judge had also gone on to say, It is clear from the facts of the case that the suspect had no regard for the rights of the victim. And this was indicated by the ruthlessness of the murder. The court condemns this in the strongest possible terms. She went on to add that Oesthazen appeared to demonstrate no remorse for the crimes he committed. The only mitigating factor in his case was that he had pleaded guilty thus not wasting the court's time and saving Heta's family and witnesses from any second-hand trauma resulting from reliving the event within a court setting. In her eyes, though, Oesthazen had shown unbelievable violence towards an elderly, defenseless woman. She had said, The accused would have been able to subdue her, and she might have complied with his demands. Instead, he went further by tying her up and putting cloth in her mouth. This was very barbaric. The deceased probably suffered one of the most painful deaths, which is suffocation. Sean Oesthazen was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of Henrietta Katarina Portrita, as well as 15 years for robbery with aggravating circumstances. And then it came time for the other charges. Engela's daughter would later say, I decided from the start that I would go to court every single time, no matter how many times the case was postponed. I cried my eyes out every time we went to court, but I wanted them to see my mother mattered to someone, and she was not just a number. He was also sentenced to life imprisonment for Engela van Veek's murder, along with 15 years for robbery with aggravating circumstances. In the case of Barbara Fenton, remember her, Oesthazen and Duploy were both found guilty of murder and aggravated robbery. Oesthazen received another life imprisonment term for the murder and 25 years for robbery with aggravating circumstances. Duploy received life imprisonment for murder and 20 years for robbery with aggravating circumstances. And with both of them serving their sentences, one would think that it ended there, right? Wrong. 
Whilst serving his sentence in prison, Oosthuizen decided to boast about the fact that he had killed more women than he had been sentenced for. Yeah, I kid you not, you cannot make this stuff up. What he didn't factor in though during this story time was the fact that those listening would soon sell him out. After the news was received, further investigations followed and soon there was a confession from Oosthuizen. In May of this year, actually last week, the 16th of May to be precise, Oosthuizen had more charges and time added to his sentence. He was given an additional fourth direct life imprisonment term for yet another murder, as well as an additional 30 years imprisonment for robbery with aggravating circumstances. And so, who were the victims, you may ask? Well, on the 5th of December 2015, a full three years before the other crimes that we have spoken about, Oosthuizen had broken in to a ninth floor apartment within an old age home in Sunnyside, Pretoria, where he had assaulted and robbed Emerentia Goose, who was 93 years old at the time. He had then fled the scene with her jewellery, which was worth 50,000 rand. She was discovered in the flat with her hands tied behind her back, a cloth stuffed down her throat and another one wrapped around her mouth. She had survived the ordeal though. She was locked in the cupboard and barely alive after two days. She was rushed to hospital but unfortunately she passed away a week later. He was then also linked to yet another incident that had taken place just three weeks after he had been granted bail. The same modus operandi was used in an attack in Ruderport in August of 2018. His victim was 77-year-old Lillis Jane Mary. She had her hands and feet tied up and a cloth was also stuffed down her throat. Her jewellery, also valued at 50,000 rand, was stolen. Her body was discovered in the corridor of her flat on the 20th of August 2018. So his final sentence, for now that is, because who knows if there are other victims out there, sits at four life sentences. A life sentence in South Africa is 25 years by the way, as well as 80 years imprisonment for robbery with aggravating circumstances. He was not charged for Emerentia Goosen's murder. Upon the final sentencing, Hawke's provincial head, Major General Zodwa Mokena, had applauded the investigating team and said, We appreciated the collaboration between the investigators and judiciary for ensuring that the heartless criminal who tormented the elderly who could not fight for themselves is removed from the community. So it is quite evident that Oosthuizen had a very specific victim type and modus operandi. All the cases would involve overpowering an older woman and stuffing their mouths with a cloth before tying them up and making off with small items that were easy to transport and sell. However, would he be considered a serial killer? Well, Interestingly enough, there isn't a single correct definition for a serial killer. 
The most widely accepted definition states that a serial murderer or serial killer commits unlawful homicide of at least three people in separate events occurring at different times, often with a cooling off period in between. Many believe that an integral part of this definition involves an abnormal psychological gratification that is tied to the murders. Now, whether there was such a psychological motive attached to the murders, we cannot know, as Oersthausen never provided a reason for committing these crimes. From what I've gathered, it also appears that there were no psychological reports that were presented during court. But, I mean, that is not to say that there wasn't a psychological motive behind the murders. Perhaps it was highlighted in the victims that he chose. He could have a particular disdain towards an older female figure in his life, and thus, by choosing these type of individuals, he is exacting his revenge every time he commits a crime. But who is to know, though? To assume that there was a deeper motive, other than easy money and a soft target, is just speculation. And if you're familiar with my content, that's not what we do here. I will however say though that there are many out there who believe that killing for money, whether it be insurance money, like in the case of Rosemary and Lovu, or just easy financial gain, like in Oersthausen's case, counts as serial killing and thus the perpetrators can be classed as serial killers. Given the fact that Oersthausen continued his spree over a good few number of years without showing any remorse for his actions does signal that there is an inherent lack of empathy present. This is definitely coupled with some form of arrogance as demonstrated within his boastings in prison as well as some aggressive tendencies as seen within the treatment of his victims. Although the focus was stealing from his victims and the motives appeared to be financial, it makes little to no sense why the elderly women were tied up and forced to meet such disturbing ends as they did. They were all over the age of 70 years old and I'm almost certain that they would not be running away or putting up much of a fight. Their murders were completely unnecessary and thus speaks volumes to the character that Oersthausen is. And so that brings about the question, why was he ever granted bail to begin with? With a history of criminal offences, the most recent being the murder of an elderly woman, where he was basically seen on CCTV footage entering and exiting the property, he was still allowed to walk free whilst awaiting his court appearances, with only a 2,000 rand payment being required. So for those of you who are not from South Africa or are not familiar with how the bail system works here, let's break it down super quickly. In South Africa, all accused are innocent until proven guilty beyond reasonable doubt. So as such, all accused persons are afforded the opportunity to request bail. An accused person is presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law, and thus they have the opportunity to pay a sum of money in order to not be held in custody. During the application, the accused must convince the judge or magistrate that they are not a flight risk, they will not be a danger to others, they will not commit further crimes, 
or intimidate witnesses in the case against them. And if the judge is satisfied, bail is granted. And so this was the case with serial offender Sean Oestesen. And not even three weeks after being released on bail, he had murdered another person. And this is not the first case of alleged perpetrators reoffending whilst out on bail. And unfortunately, it won't be the last. I mean, if you're interested, just check out the case of Cameron Wilson to get an idea of what I mean. I mean, I don't doubt that at times it's a pretty hard call to make, especially when facing individuals who are so adept at hiding and masking their true intentions. And in Oosthuizen's case, he appeared to have no prior charges of assault. So perhaps this signals that there needs to be some sort of change in legislature, or at least an addition of further criteria required when there are cases where murder and assault are concerned. And perhaps whilst doing that, we should take a look at the recidivism rates in South Africa. Whilst it's difficult to gather accurate statistics, for obvious reasons, the recidivism rate is thought to be between 60 and 80% within a three-year period after serving time. There are, of course, multiple reasons for this rate being so high, each of which have an equally important role to play. These include, but are not limited to, a failure of support for reintegration into society, economic stress, inability to attain employment, mental health issues, a lack of education, and a lack of support, amongst many other things. And before you even say it, I know what you're thinking. So, Bella, are you suggesting that we enroll all inmates into degrees and help them find jobs? Because that sounds awfully unfair, given the fact that they committed crimes, some of them too heinous to even mention. And yes, I get exactly where you're coming from. It's completely unfair. It is incredibly difficult to walk that fine line between punishment and rehabilitation. And at this current moment in South Africa, it is evident that we are not succeeding. And the consequences of our failures? Well, more innocent lives are lost. The daughter of Lilith Jane Mary had said, We trust in the judicial system that this time they won't be released for the safety of the public. Sean Oosthuizen may not have had the best start to life, and he did not have access to all that he wanted, but he had no reason to inflict harm upon vulnerable, innocent parties who only extended a gesture of kindness towards him. Although five victims have been named, who knows if there are more unsolved cases out there with links and ties to this man. All we can take solace in now is the fact that he will not be allowed to harm any more innocent parties for the remainder of his life. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the narratives of Engela van Veik, Henrietta Katharina Polchita, Emerentia Goosen, Lilis Jane Mary, and Barbara Esme Fenton. Thank you for allowing their voices to be heard and thus their memories to never be forgotten. Until next week, stay safe, stay blessed and stay the amazing human beings that I know each 
and every single one of you are. Bye!